Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day. Welcome along to the Short Ball, a Rugby Pass podcast. Scotty Stevenson with you and Mills Muliaina standing alongside me. Millsy, we've found the eight. But we knew the eight. Now we've just found out what order they're playing in. What a confusing weekend all round. Oh, mate, it was a bit of a confusing weekend. And how hectic would it have been for the, some of the managers <laughs> waiting on results to try and get guys on flights? This would have cost Sansa millions of dollars. Oh, I, t- I totally agree. Even on Saturday, I'm sitting in the Chiefs uh, tunnel having a, a massive argument with Stewie Williams, the team manager, about whether or not they had to stay in Sydney after the game and, or whether they were flying on to South Africa or whether they were coming oh. back or whether they were going to the... St- Man, it was ridiculous. Were they contemplating on going over early and just waiting in Sydney? Were they? I, don't, I don't know what was going on, but apparently Sansa wanted teams playing in Australia to sit back in Sydney and then wait oh. because then they'd have to go on to South Africa. But it turns out that's not really the case for the Chiefs. They're, they're coming home regardless, pretty much. Uh, what a draw, though, and... Um, it's funny how things have aligned for certain teams and for others it's become a nightmare. Uh, first of all, the Sharks are probably, probably happy that they go and face the Lions again. First game they played up at Ellis Park this year, I think it was a five-point victory to the Lions. They just played on the weekend. The Lions too good, stretching out 27-10. But I, I look at this like the Highlanders and the Crusaders. Mm. I think the Sharks have enough if they are disciplined, if they play footy, to beat the Lions at home. And I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, considering the Lions have not lost at home now yep. in 13 games. But I think they've got enough. Oh, absolutely. I, I, th- I was just going to mention that, um, you know, they do have a chance there. And that's the, the, the great thing about the, the draw and where it's at. You know, yes, last week, the Lions sort of, you know, um, you know they won convincingly. Did what they do, right? Anything can happen. Anything can happen come, you know, finals football and the Sharks are, are an obvious chance. The Lions have won their last five uh, of these games against the Sharks. So they've got that, obviously. They're 12 games on the bounce overall, 13 wins at home, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, I just, the Sharks, to me, the, and the biggest problem, and I know we're saying they can win because, of course, anyone can win in quarterfinals mm. footy, but that the Sharks, in their last three finals games, away from home, have scored just 12 points. Now, you are not going anywhere in the playoffs <laughs> if you can't score points. And fundamentally for me, the Sharks' biggest issue is not their defence, which has been very good, led by Philip Funderwald. It's been their attack. Yeah. They have the least number of points per game in the playoffs besides the Brumbies, and we'll get to them in a bit, but they're going to get crushed. Mm. If the Sharks can't find a way to attack, there's no point turning up. They've got to be all out, and they've got to hold the ball. No, that's right, and they can't be conservative. I mean, I guess I know it's footies, you know, finals footy, but they can't be conservative. If they want to go to Alice Park, is it, that's what it's called now, still, it's still Alice Park? I or think it's called Emirates, Park or? Emirates Airline Emirates, Park. Okay. Well, if, if they want to go there and win, they've got to go all out and attack. You know, Otherwise, they're just going to come off second best. I mean, 12 points you know, in away games, that's... Yeah. That's average. That's, that's less than average, mate. Yeah. You might as well stay home if you want to, want to score that, that, that amount of points going away. That's very true. That is very true. I, I look at the lines, and here's the thing for me, and, and they're like the Hurricanes in a way. Their fourth quarter performance, their fourth quarter mm. output in terms of points scored, 
is the best in the competition, the, the Hurricanes and the Lions. If you are not a fourth-quarter team in these playoffs, I think that'll sting you. You've yeah. got to be that team, right? Well, absolutely. But you, what, what you're saying is the Sharks' defence is, is, is pretty good. So if they can defend and defend in that last quarter and sort of hold off the Lions and sort of, I suppose, frustrate them a little bit because they have got some some you know uh, amazing players out there that can sort of turn the game around if they can mm. hold them out for the whole 80 minutes not just the first 20 or the or the last one if they can hold them out for the whole time and frustrate the crap out of them then they're in for the chance they, all, then all they need to worry about is their, their attack game so go away work this week on what you're going to do in attack your defense will take care of itself but you're right the Lions and the Hurricanes, they score points in you know, the last moments of the game, and yeah. th- those are the crucial moments. Yeah, and we saw that again with the Hurricanes defeating the Crusaders at uh, Westpac Stadium on the weekend. You're on the short ball, the Rugby Pass podcast. Mills Molina and Scotty Stevenson with you, talking about finals footy, quarterfinals footy for Super Rugby this season, coming up this weekend. Of course, all the action live on Rugby Pass. A little bit later in the pod, we're going to be talking to Reuben Thorne, a man who was part of that amazing... He Truly knows. amazing Crusaders dynasty. Uh, Reuben Thorne, part of seven teams that went on to win finals, seven titles in all. Reuben wow. Thorne was a part of all of those teams. I mean, if there's anyone in Super Rugby that knows how to win a final, it's Ruby Thorne. So we're going to have a chat to him about what it's going to take teams and what the preparation is like. Is it different to the regular season? Do the processes change somewhat? Really interesting to hear what he has to say. Let's look around, though, Millsy, first at one of the other finals, and, and this is the Hurricanes and the Brumbies. From what I saw of the Hurricanes on Saturday night, and no Bowden Barrett out with the virus, uh, so there's a rejig there with Geordie Barrett coming into 13. Uh, no Dane Cole still. Uh, and still, still, this team managed to pick apart the Crusaders. Are we more concerned about the trajectory of the Crusaders, or are we more excited about the way the Hurricanes? can switch players and still win games. Oh, I think we're more excited. I mean, look at the versatility of, of Barrett. You know, I'm talking about Geordie Barrett here. I mean, mm. playing fullback, he plays 10, he plays 12. You put him in a key position at 13, that try he scored, you know, the, the line that he sort of ran there to actually score that try and and, and sort of and, and score, mm. that's that's exciting in itself. So, I mean, we, we spoke about the Crusaders, you know, a wee while ago, how, how good their squad is, the, the culture that they have. But this Hurricanes team, it just sort of seems to switch things on. I mean, um, you know, Black was on his way back home to Palmerston North to play right. club rugby. He has to turn the car back around and come back, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's starting. And, it, and like, he hasn't played that much this season. Did he, did he break Mark Lundy's speed record from <laughs> Aberhart to Palmerston North? <laughs> hey, hey, I'd, be interested, I'd be interested to know how long be, it took him. Exactly. That'd be a good question <laughs> so to ask The Lundy him. 500, brought to you by Nehi Milnaskata. <laughs> Oh, he can turn on a dime to he too. Yeah, I, I, I like the, what the Hurricanes have done. And, and again, what, what buoys me about the Hurricanes is the fact that all season long, and as it has been for years now, it's their pack that gets questions asked of them all the time. And yeah, that's a good Crusaders pack. Oh, they yeah. took them apart at the breakdown. 15 penalties against the Crusaders, the majority of them in their key area of strength, scrum and breakdown. Oh, absolutely. And what impressed me was... Also, the bench that came on in that last sort of 10, 20 minutes, you know, the Tong and Bear comes on. Oh. And man, whoa, I mean, defensively, set piece. Mm. You know, how good was he in, in, in the scrums? I mean, so they just turned it up another level, and you're going up against, you know, All Blacks. And so that's probably for, I mean, from someone that doesn't know nothing about how to scrum and anything, that guy turned the game. He came on and done a, you know, defensive hit on, um, 
who what to, to a, um oh, I can't remember his name now. A tour, 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 uh, the six eight eight. You can get it. You can get uh, it. The tour four. You can vote. Jordan Tolfour. Tolfour. Jeepers, that's bad of me. Tolfour. I mean that man there. He's used. He's used to doing it to other people. Hundred percent right. And so he comes on defensively was fantastic. Scrums, set piece, amazing. And so I mean there there was a scrum there where they sort of um you know they they got a shove on and Kieran Reed broke through, but they dominated. I've got a question for you. And this may be a little controversial today on the short ball, Millsy, but uh, should Ngani Laumapi be playing rugby this weekend after basically mm. crushing David Harvilli in the face yeah. with his shoulder? I mean, another hard... I mean, that that was a hard one. Harvilli sort of was... Uh, I mean, he caught him He, he caught him on the chin. Yeah. If we're, if we're so, gonna... yeah. So he caught him on the chin, right? So, so by all standards of world rugby... The guy has made a tackle, regardless of where David Harvilly was. He was coming down, he was ducking, what have you. He caught him on the chin. Now, this is where this gets interesting <laughs> for me, right? And I, I, know, I know what you're going to say, but this is where this gets interesting. You've got a TMO, Glenn Newman, who is reviewing footage on his own. Yep. So the crowd's not seeing it. The crowd's not seeing it because the guy in charge of the big screen at the stadium is busy scanning the crowd looking for people to pass or whatever else they were doing, dancing to <laughs> just, DJ just A-Hole's music. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but this is going down. So Glenn Jackson is blind. So the referee on the field is blind. He's seen the tackle. He thinks, gut instinct, peripheral vision, that's a penalty. Yeah. Now this is, where, this is where it gets interesting to me. So Glenn Jackson does not see it, says to the TMO, okay, so it's a high tackle, just a penalty then. Is that what you're saying, Glenn? Glenn Newman clearly says to him, no, that's not what I'm saying. Nothing in it. Play the scrum. Fundamentally, that's the, the Crusaders' last chance done mm. in the game. Mm. Secondly, Lamapi gets away scot-free with a high shot in someone's face. Worse than we saw Jerome Kane or Sinbin for uh, against the Summers, I think. Worse than we saw Jerome Kane or get Sinbin for or sent off for against the Lions. Uh, and, and this is, I'm not bagging Nani Laumapi here. I'm just saying, where's the consistency? Where is the consistency? And if Glenn Jackson had been able to see that footage yeah. on the big screen himself, he would have made the call to penalise Nani Laumapi or worse. And that, to me, is where we need to start developing a system that is consistent around the stadiums. It shouldn't be up to the guy on the ground to be depriving the on-field referee of a chance to look at the vision himself. I'm finished now. Yeah. I'm finished You now. should be a politician because you almost convinced me. I you almost did, convinced you. But I think, you know what, what you're saying is absolutely true. Is that consistency around, okay, when I looked at it, initially I was like, oh, come on, okay, they slowed it right down. It didn't look like much. And then I almost sort of consciously just said, it's got to be a penalty because he was right. coming down. It's on his chin. Okay, yes, he kind of pulled out, but it, he did cop him, okay? And, um, and, that, I actually and that's thought, my point, Millsy. He copped him. Yeah, and I actually thought, okay, it was going to be a penalty, and then I looked over, and it was a scrum. And I was kind of like, well, to be totally honest, it didn't really bother me because I wasn't going for it neither <laughs> team. Okay, I know, so I, think I know. And, I'm not, and I'm, not, I'm not worried about the outcome here. I don't, I don't have a bias either way here. It's just, uh, you know, fundamentally, a guy's put a shoulder into someone's chin. Yeah. And has got away with it. Whereas for the last four weeks, we have seen time and time and instance after instance of players being sinbinned for similar offences. And, and what you're saying now, now, now when I think about it, if he was coming down and Lamapi got him on the chin, well, Lamapi's actually quite high anyway, you know, because he hasn't quite hit, you know, his feet haven't quite hit the ground. So, yes, 
I think it, it, it deserved a penalty. And then when you look back at it now and think, wow, in the context of the game, that's a big moment because all of a sudden, yeah, that the the Crusaders penalty kick downfield, possibly a drive, possibly, and who knows, you know, but. It's that consistency we're after. It's always that consistency about you know what we're actually doing. If we've got a, you talk about Jerome Kano getting sent off, sent off. Uh, well, uh, Simbin. Well, if you're going to be that consistent on the chin, then you know, yeah, he's got to go. Is what it is, right? Well, we promised we'd get hold of Reuben Thorne. We're going to get him on the line now. Reuben Thorne, of course, joining the Crusaders back in 1997, a part of that team that won their maiden championship in 1998, and went on. To win every one of them. Reuben, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. That's good to hear. Millsy uh, and Sumo with you, Rubes, as we uh, we talk finals footy here on the Short Ball, a Rugby Pass podcast. What's going on in Christchurch, the Garden City? Well, it's a beautiful sunny day today, thankfully. Um, but other than that, yeah, not much. It's a school holiday, so, you know, busy trying to entertain the kids and so on. But that's all part of what you do these days, I guess. Well, you've been entertaining kids all season long with your uh, your newfound role as a schoolboy rugby coach, Rubes. Before we get into your experiences with the Crusaders, uh, tell us about coaching first 15 footy and uh, and a famous victory for your boys this year as well. <laughs> yeah, look, oh, look I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, started last year with Christ College and, and we're doing it again this year. So, um, look, really good bunch of young boys. First 15 rugby's... Um, really enjoyable and rewarding to be involved with. So uh, it's been good fun. And, you know, there's some really exciting young young kids coming through that grade and it's just good to be involved with it. Rubes, what a, does one final in particular stand out for you among uh, the seven you're involved in uh, and the seven titles you're involved in and, and another couple of finals on top of that that uh, you guys came up short in? But, uh, but is there one victory, is there one finals week that, that really still sticks in your mind? Well, look, I think it's a bit different these days because, you know, when I played... We would build through a season, and we would we could plan to be peaking physically, and mentally, heading into the playoffs. You know, we didn't have this international window to sort of um, to factor into it. So, you know, by the time we got there, we knew that we were humming. You know, we were a well oiled machine, and and you know, we were sort of hitting this part of the season uh, full full of confidence. Whereas these guys have got a, you know, they're sort of heading in that direction. Then it all comes to a sudden halt. Um, you know, the, the All Blacks go out. They get hammered in another campaign, and then um, they've got to come back in and, and try and restart it almost. Mm. So it's it's quite a different challenge. But um, for me, I, I guess you know one that always sticks out for me is is our very first final back in '98, you know, against the Blues. Um, and you know the reason is that we, you know, we were underdogs. We were up against an amazing Blues team um, away from home. We qualified fourth, I think, you know, by the skin of our teeth. Mm. Um, and we managed to get through against the odds an away semi-final against the Reds and an away final against the uh, the Blues up in Eden Park and, and to pull it off was just a huge achievement so that will always be a very special one for me. Rubes, you, you know, you've uh, obviously you've been a part of some some great teams you know, with the Crusaders at the moment you know, the, do you sense, you know, they're actually beginning something really special? You know, obviously they the, the, they lost last week they almost went unbeaten but you sent, do you sense with the likes of, you know, of, uh, you know, with with Razor and what he's brought, you know, a different dimension. You know, you you're so used to the Crusaders, um, you know, winning everything up front and then sort of, um, you know, dominating and scoring points up front. Now we're kind of seeing everything. Yep. You're, you're still winning and, and, and dominating up front, but you're actually throwing the ball around. And there's some talented yep. young kids there. I mean, are you sensing something special happening? You know, similar to what you know you guys went through. Yeah, well, certainly. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be in in the changing room a couple of times this season and. 
Um, they're a very tight-knit bunch, um, you know, very close unit, which is fantastic to see. That the culture is very strong amongst that group. Um, and, you know, I think he's definitely added, you know, a little bit of his sort of, you know, the flair that Razor used to play with. You know, he's brought that into the group um, and sort of given them the confidence and the belief to, to play probably slightly more open style of rugby. Um, you know, it's been good to watch. It's been enjoyable. They're still doing the business up front, like you say, but they've, they've really um, moved the ball around um, and scored some great tries through the season. And, and the young guys coming through, I mean, you know, there's some pretty exciting kids there and, and they've all, um, you know, sort of fitted into that environment and, and really um, you know, put their hand up and said, look, you know, we're here to play. Rubes, you, you, you had the, uh, the benefit of playing under some wonderful coaches through your career with the Crusaders, um, and none more so than, than Robbie Deans, who, who guided that team to some, some wonderful achievements. And, of course, your last final as well uh, at AMI Stadium uh, against the New South Wales Waratahs back in 2008. W- was Robbie one of those coaches who could manipulate you into thinking you were champions all the time? Yeah, well, the good thing with Robbie, and one thing I always found, you know, because he was, he was involved pretty much from the beginning of my career right through in, in one form or another, either as manager or coach, um, is that year after year, he could always find a way to motivate the boys, you know, and, and sort of connect everyone on and off the field so that we, you know, we formed a really nice, strong team culture. Um, but every year he'd come up with some way of, you know, being able to find the right buttons to press at the right time. Um, you know, and that was, that was one of his strengths. So, you know, it's it's a pretty rare skill to have in a coach to do that year after year, but you know Robbie was a guy who was able to do it. Um, you know, and, and being a you know, red and black crusader, Canterbury man through and through, um, you know he was able to sort of call on that, you know, the history and the heritage um, that sort of underlies the team. And um, yeah, I mean he, he was just great at finding those buttons and pushing them. Melzi's shaking his head here, Rubes. Whenever Rubes. you guys start talking about red and blacks, was, he, he loses his mind. I was just going to ask that. <laughs> you speak of red and black. Are they still bloody one-eyed? Have they still got their one-eyed patches or what down there? I mean, how how much difference does that crowd make? I'm, you know, I constantly remember every time we'd come in, we you know, we'd arrive at Christchurch Airport, and as soon as you get down there, oh, jeepers, they give you a bit of stick. And you get down to the ground, there's a few bloody... Fingers and everything like that, yeah. but it's, it, that makes a, a massive difference, isn't it? Having those, um, you know, the, that much of a crowd, the provocal crowd that gets right in behind you guys, surely in finals football, yeah. you know, it gives you, a, you know, it possibly gives you an extra man. And certainly in, in years gone by, that's that's what's happened in the Crusaders. I mean, how 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 massive is that for the guys? Yeah, oh, look, I think every team would say they'd, they'd prefer to play their finals at home because of, mm. for that very reason. You know, you get the support. Um, you're in your home environment, you've got, you know, you, you sleep better, everything's sort of in your favour. Um, but, you know, in saying that, I think these days teams have become much better at playing away from home. So, you know, the Highlands will be pretty comfortable coming up here and, and you know, putting on a strong performance and they won't really care where it's at, you know, to be honest. Um, and I know the Crusaders have done it in years gone by. They've, they've played away and they've, they've won away from home. So, while it is a factor, you know, and you'd rather play at home, I don't think it's um, enough of a factor these days to to influence the outcome. But I know the guys will certainly be, you know, be, be happy to be at home in front of their own crowd. You're on the short ball, the Rugby Pass podcast with Scotty and Mills, and Reuben Thorne joins us, seven-time champion with the Crusaders. Rubes, before we let you go, uh, let, let's just talk specifically about uh, Crusaders and Highlanders games. Uh, you've played in a few. 
Uh, of course, there was the famous uh, party at Tony Brown's uh, place, which you guys managed to crash. Uh, what, what is it about the Southern Classic that really gets the spirits rising for both the Crusaders and the Highlanders? Um, well, one of the great things, you know, you pretty much split the South Island in half, don't you? You've got the bottom half and the top half um, you know, in terms of the Crusaders-Highlanders um, support base. Um, so there's, there's real energy around that. Um, you know, and the fans are, are, are pretty pretty strong from both sides. Mm. So there's that, that part of it. You know, the support there is, is pretty amazing. Um, and the guys just know each other. I mean, I think this is going to be the fifth time that they've played this season. So in terms of knowing each other's styles um, and game plans and everything like that, you know, it's really a really tough battle between um, two sort of similar similar teams with similar cultures. So, um, you know, that always makes it interesting. And, you know, you sort of want those bragging rights, I guess, at the end of the day to say that we're the, we're the top team in the South Island. Um, if you win that, that right, then you can go on and, and hopefully, you know, aim for that top team in Super Rugby. Well, Rubes, uh, make sure you tell Crocky to uh, keep that sword you gave him uh, in his back pocket for this game. He might need to slice someone in half some stage. But uh, enjoy the weekend, fella. Thanks very much for your time, Rubes. Cheers, Rubes. Hey, no problem, guys. Cheers. Ruben Thorne, one of the all-time greats of Super Rugby. Oh. You know, it's funny he talks about Robbie Deans and uh, Scott Robertson is Robbie Deans incarnate. <laughs> when you think about what Scotty Robertson does, and, and we've done a podcast here on Rugby Pass with Scotty in the past, Mills, and... You know, talking about how he motivates that team, the energy that he expects from them, the fact they've always got to be up and at work, the fact that there's no whinging in the environment unless you're whinging to Scott Robertson himself. You know, creating that that uh, organisation in the mould of the guys he knows worked for him as a player. Yeah. I, I think that's great. But I also know, as Rube said, that this will be the fifth time they played each other. Pre-season, mm. twice during the regular season, once in a friendly during the all-black break, uh, okay. which the Highlanders won. And, and now here we are. Yeah. So technically speaking, the, whole, the Crusaders have lost their last three on the track. Mm -hmm. and, and I wonder if I can sense the air coming out of the sails a little bit and whether the South is rising once more as the Highlanders, they get their back up yeah. at this time of the season. Yeah. They have uh, developed, uh, firstly under Jamie Joe, now under Tony Brown, this us-against-the-world mentality. You know, I remember 2015 at uh, Westpac Stadium when they won their maiden title. Half time, I'm standing in the tunnel. Lima Sopawanga has walked out last, last. And as he's walking out the tunnel, Aaron Smith, just in front of him, yells down the tunnel, they said we couldn't do it, boys. <laughs> that was his last words before they took the field for the second half. We all know what happened. Maiden title, job done. That, that to me is the spirit that the Highlanders have. That's not to say the Crusaders yeah. don't have it, but they are a dangerous beast, the Highlanders, especially this week when they have Smith back hopefully Ben Smith back, Liam Squire back in action. The, the man oh, is the scariest man in rugby right now, I reckon. How, I mean, how, how beast mode did he bring? Like, I mean, oh. yes, there was a try scored against him, but he made three consecutive tackles right. before they actually scored, and that like, he almost held him up. But if you're you know, going on how they've gone these last three games, yes, I know the Crusaders lost um, against the Lions. You almost just push that you know, to one side. Sure. But you're almost seeing a sense that the Highlanders are starting to lift. You know, they're starting to get a little bit of momentum whereas you know, the Crusaders are coming down the other way. That's, that's got to be worrying. Well, here's, here's my biggest question for this weekend, the Crusaders and the Highlanders. If David Harvilli is not playing fullback, I can't see them winning the game. No, and, and 
possibly their last two losses have been because of that factor, you know, that spark at the back, um, that energy, being able to pop up. You know, you know we, He's top five. He is a top five attacking player competition-wide, David yeah, Harvilli. Carries, metres, offloads, clean breaks, defenders beaten. Israel Dag has had to play 15 over the last two weeks because Havili's covered for Ryan Crotty yeah. over the last two games, should I say. Uh, and, and Israel Dag has been told by Steve Hansen and the All Black coaches that he's not a fullback. And then he comes back into the Crusaders, he's got to play fullback. I, I think it's obvious that, that Izzy's moved on now. He's a winger, he's a guy who can take care of one side of the field, but he is not bringing the spark that David Harvilli brings. No, and, and, that's, and that's, I mean, sometimes when you're in an environment like that and you're playing, all you need is one little moment that someone like Harvilli does, and it all of a sudden sparks, uh, you know, a, a sort of a counter-attack or, a, uh, you know, pops up and there's a try. Good Hugh comes off his shoulder, something like that, and all of a sudden, you know, the eight, you know, they just lift. And at the moment, we're not quite, not quite saying, yes, okay, is he play, you know, he scored a magnificent try last week, but if he's... You know, being told by the All Black selectors that he's a wing, he obviously wants to concentrate on right. It. That's know? and that's my and that's the problem with this competition. And for every coach in Super Rugby in New Zealand, you've got players going away to an All Black environment. They're being told one thing by that coach. They're coming back. They're expected to fulfil a role for their Super Rugby team. Yeah. I think we are seeing it time and time again now after the June breaker, even before where players are caught betwixt and between where they should be for their very team that pays their salary for four, five, six months of the year. Well, and it's not that. It's, it's not sort of, um, it's not nothing to do with money. It is, you know, consciously. And I've been in that situation before as well. We are sort of thinking, okay, I'm here I am on fullback. I love playing fullback. And Izzy's probably the same, you know. Mm. Um Personally, he probably loves playing full, but then you go to an environment where you're told you're a winger and you've all of a sudden got to try and switch that. Now, you haven't played, and they are. They're two very different you know, positions. Yes, you're at the back working together as a group, but in terms of where you're situated on the field and what you have to wait for, they're different positions. And mm. so you're almost thinking to yourself, well, okay, now's a chance where I can just sort of nail that position. Corey Jane, probably a classic example. He, he began as a, as a fullback. You put him on the wing, and he sort of just blossomed as, as it sort of went on and became yeah. a magnificent winger. And so yeah. it does play with your mind a little bit. In the, in the case of the Crusaders, I think they need that little bit of a spark, and Harvili needs to be back there. I, I don't know who you put at 12. Um, well, Crotty hopefully back, right? Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's crucial. If Crotty's back and Harvili plays fullback, you know, I think the Crusaders go in as slight favourites for the game. Absolutely. If that's not the case, I have grave fears because... The Highlanders are going to kick them the ball. The Highlanders kick more than any other team in yep. this competition. They need someone who's going to work that back out, get their team on the attack, build that momentum from the backfield again. Yeah, it's got to be Havili. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, and I, I spoke earlier on in the season when what Havili does, even when the defence line is is sort of stable. Uh, when he's when he's bringing the ball back, he still wins that contact. You know, he's not getting held up or driven back. He's winning a little bit of beating some guys, hitting a weak shoulder, and being able to get that ball back fast to be able to sort of um, you know recycle it for his forwards. And so, that's the sort of spark we're talking about. We're not talking about just carving up and making big breaks. As those times when the game's really tight, winning that tight sort of um, you know, that battle and winning the contact and being able to get that ball back for the for the forwards to set up again. That's what you need, and he, he's the key guy to be able to do it. I'm going to brush over the Brumbies because I think they get humped. Yeah. They get humped yeah, I, I by think, the Hurricanes. I think they're going to get, yeah. I think they're going to get pumped. Humped or pumped? Humped and pumped. Crushed. 
They get crushed. Are they going to get their faces melted by the Hurricanes attack? I think I think we can all safely assume that. And uh, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say I'm wrong if the Brumbies somehow manufacture a victory here. They were so unimpressive against the Chiefs. They never looked like winning that game. They never looked like they cared about winning that game because they didn't have to. That's the vagary of this competition. Yeah. What is going to matter is your Chiefs. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. Against the Stormers, where last year it was a 61-20 thumping of the home side at Newlands. The Chiefs, to me, Millsy, here's the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a Ferrari in, in Damien McKenzie. Yeah. And basically every car in front of Damien McKenzie is backfiring a little bit at the moment. They have sputtered their way through this competition by their own lofty standards. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out what it's going to take for the Chiefs to suddenly click and suddenly put on that 45, 46, 48-point yeah. performance yeah. that we know they are capable of. They have left so many points on the field this season. Uh, Saturday was another prime example against the Brumbies' B-side. Yeah, and I, I know. And the other worrying part also is just when you think they're getting on top of the game, they leak a couple of points. Right. They leak a few tries, and you're like, they've just lost all that, all that hard work that they've done. You think, okay, Chiefs are now going to pull away. You know, All of a sudden, it becomes a sort of grind, and that's probably the, you know, what, what you're saying. By their standards, it's, it's it's pretty poor. So they finish that game. It's a 5.15 kickoff on Saturday. At 9 o'clock, they're on a bus. At 2 a.m., they're at Auckland Airport. Uh, they have flown through Sydney onto, I'm guessing, Johannesburg, down to Cape Town. They're going to have fond memories of the quarters last year. Mm. Uh, Stephen Donald won. He was injured, and that was his season over last year. But the Stormers beat them there this year, yeah. beat them well. And the Stormers, when you go through their numbers, are a better side all round than the Chiefs are barring their scrum percentage, and I think they're all floating game. The rest is, the rest is in the Stormers' favour. Uh, and if the Stormers aren't favourites for this game, there's something wrong. This, I think, is going to be a monumental test of what the Chiefs have left in the tank, knowing that end of this season is the end of its era. Well, that, that, and, that's it. and that's what they've got to draw inspiration on, the fact that this is it for... A, Many of those guys, okay, go there, okay, yes, they won't think too much about the numbers. Possibly the coaches will look at that, but go there with the absolute mentality that this is the last game and and try and, and, and actually win it. They win that, then worry about worry about the next week, the following week with their travel plans, whatever. But this could be the start of something, you know, really good. And they could get themselves to the final, but they've got to get over this hurdle. And if they don't draw inspiration from the fact that, you know, your coach is leaving, you've got about five hundred or four hundred caps leaving, well, you know, you might as well go there and sort of... And blues it in Tokyo. Oh, do we have to... We're going to talk about that. No, we're not. Oh, no, I just sort of brought it up rather unfairly right at the last minute. No, no. Well, Millsy, uh, before we go on the short ball today, uh, also great news. What's that? Great news. Last week, what did you talk about last week? You talked about the fact that referees need to start explaining laws, right? <laughs> we, no, what? what? Get this. Moves afoot to shred rugby's law book in half. What? Yes, Melzy. Oh. To shred it in half. What, what are they taking away? I, I like don't know. Ugh. What's the one law in the game you would like to see removed from the game? I can tell you mine right away. You tell me yours. I'll, I'll, I think I'll, about tell, you, I'll tell you mine right away. The intentional knockdown law. Oh, yes. That does my head in. Yes. Every legitimate defensive intercept play is now penalised in our yeah, game and because you're yes. too shit to throw a pass without a defender getting in the way. Yes. That is a shitty law. That's got to go. First on the that's first on the kill sheet for me. So what? Just just get get out of there. Simplify the law book. I just say if a guy goes for an intercept and your pass is so terrible that a guy could get a hand to it, well that's on you. 
If mm. you've blown a three-on-one overlap, that's on you. That's your bad. Yeah, yeah, true that, true that. Yeah, I, I could see merit in that. I could see it. She's, I'm, I'm, all, all I'm thinking is con games, and I just hate that stupid forward just knocking the ball down. Conditioning games I'm, calling, I'm talking about here. I, and but you, see, that's... But is, are that, you saying that's my fault? I'm saying it's your fault. And yeah. I'm saying instead of penalising a referee, you should look at the attacking player and go, you're an egg. <laughs> it should be an egg card. You're an egg for blowing a three-on-one with a shite pass that someone got a hand to. Okay, well, he, here's mine. Now that, now that it's topical, it was topical last week. What was topical? Accidental offside. What, you want to get rid of accidental offsides? Well, what, what is it going to be? It? Just is, offside? Is it, is it a penalty or is it a scrum? So what do you want to set? Because I thought about this on the way into the pod today. Why don't we just have one law for all? Exactly. If you're offside, you're offside. If, penalty. Right? Or if it's if you're, you're offside... It's just a scrum. Which do you want? Well, I don't know. Don't well, see. This is half the problem. Well, that's what I'm asking you. Oh, it's an is an offside a penalty offence or is it a scrum offence? Well, does it depend if you catch it? No. Either offside in the game or you're not offside. No, so you're if, offside. If, but I reckon it's a penalty. It's a penalty. Penalty. Let's just leave it at penalty. No matter. It's right. a penalty. See, there, there you go. So all of a sudden, the game has got twenty percent simpler just in that statement alone. Absolutely. How good's that? That's, oh, mate, I, you know, actually. It's taken a whole. You feel better about I yourself. Do, I can see you've straightened up. All the all the tension oh. in your shoulders is gone. Look at that. Okay, those two rules. Those oh, two. We, we, how many rules are there? There's at least we, you know, six thousand laws in the game. Richie McCaw in here someday because he'll know probably the whole lot of them. He knows every law in the game. He admitted to me he cheated once. Did he? Yeah, he did. No. Yeah, he did. No, Richie McCaw didn't cheat, mate. Yes, he did. Well, what did? He, how, well, okay, he didn't say I cheat. He just. I drew a circle on where the offside line used to be in the breakdown and he got the Sharpie and he drew a bigger circle <laughs> where he could go. <laughs> Which, you know, is as close to admitting you're a cheater as anything I've ever seen you go to. It's true, man. That is a true story oh, and I've got it on tape as well. Brilliant. I'll post that at some stage. Uh, you're on the Short Ball, the Rugby Pass podcast with Mills Mullina, Scotty Stevenson. That'll do us for this week. Enjoy all the quarterfinal action from Super Rugby. Of course, you can catch it all on rugbypass.com. Any comments for the show, any questions to throw at us, Make sure you post those as well. Uh, enjoy your weekend's footy. Millsy, you're off at school holidays. You've got to take Maxie on an adventure. We're off on an adventure. Yes. Yes. Go the Chiefs. <laughs>